one. Look here. Hey, it's Coach T.K. and of course my sidekick, Mr. J. Everett Pearsall, here on the Watkins Award Show. And let me tell you, this is quite a celebration today because we're talking about 38 episodes, Pearsall. Can you believe it? 38 episodes. No! Tell me it's not so. 38? 30. Seems like we just got started. Just got started last week. Of course, we had our first guest, which was none other than Donnell Dinkins, who was 37. But, you know, of course, he was one. But that that show last week, of course, was totally different from the first show. We learned a lot more about Donnell Dinkins, the type of person he is. I mean, and undoubtedly, a Watkins man is special. Now we're coming up on 38, and we're talking about Marcus Houston. And man, we got quite a show for our audience today. If you're listening to this show, trust me, get out a notepad, take some notes from this one here, because we got something real special. But before we even get there, we want to talk about a few things. And the main thing, you know, the views and opinions, the views and opinions of Coach T. Tate and J. Everett Pearson are our views and our opinions. So please don't hold the radio station, any of our sponsors, advertisers uh, accountable for anything. You call us or email us one way or another, and uh, J. Everett Pearsall, if they want to email you, what's your email address? I want them to know your email address. Info at N as in Nancy, followed by 4A.com. Info uh, at N-A-A-A-A.com. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to go a step further because I'm going to hold uh, both of us accountable. And uh, clearly, I'm just letting you know that, you know, you can you can send it to Tyrone, T-Y-R-O-N-E, at N-A-A-A-A dot com. Because I got my legal counsel that's coming in. So if there's a problem, I know who to take this to. Now, before we get any further, I know you want to say a few things about the game of the week. But I also want to let people know. We got sponsors. You know, we always talk about JMA uh, Solutions out of Washington, D.C. We talk about Exotic Car Sharing. We talk about War Law Firm. We also talk about MagicWasteValet.com, where you can get your waste taken away. So if there's a problem with your waste, J. Everett Pearsall, you can call magicwaste.com. Of course, whenever you want an exotic car, you go to exotic car sharing, wall office, but we're going we're gonna to have a new uh, legal counsel in the house today. We'll talk about that in, in more detail. And last but not least, I want to welcome aboard uh, Miss Ayana Jones, uh, AC Jones, as she is called. And she's with the SR. G Group, uh, they're making brokers into owners and agents into brokers. Now, uh, she's, you know, 
but she's powerful. That's all I can tell you. She's powerful. Uh, she's one of those ladies that don't take no for an answer. Uh, if she got some real estate to sell, then she's going to sell it for you. If she got some real estate to buy, she's going to get you the best deal. Now, you want to give her a call. I know that you always buying land and houses all over the United States, <laughs> Mr. Pearson. 678-485-7374. That's 678-485-7374. Um, just check her out. Give her a call. Talk to her. Uh, and, you know, I, I have her email address. So I'll try to get that out later because uh, I'm going to move on with this game of the week, Mr. Pearson. What do you want to talk about? Well, the good thing is that, you know, Marcus is on and waiting for us. So I'll start out by saying and just give me a couple of minutes to kind of highlight some things. I rescheduled this past weekend's game of the week. Uh, I had some other obligations. But what I did was I combined two schools. I was supposed to go to see the Clemson Wake Forest game. Um, But I'll see now next week. The last game of the week next week will be South Carolina against Clemson. And so in that a game I'll be able to see the individual who is at Clemson. Um, and I'll also be able to see, you know, Tonka Hemingway. So I'll just get to see Justin Foster and Tonka Hemingway, uh, who is with South Carolina. So um, I combine them. But what I do want to take this opportunity to do is talk about how the season is progressing for a couple of the upperclassmen who are um, in college right now participating in college football. And so Nicobe Dean is continuing to round off an extraordinary season. Many say that this individual, and when I say first or second day guy, in football terms, that means he's going to be a first, second, or third round draft pick. Mm-hmm. I'm not a soothsayer, but I know a lot of people. And these people very rarely are wrong about when they pick. They might be off by one round, but never two. And so uh, many say first round. I'll say first or second round. but Last year, he led the nation, I'm sorry, the SEC in tackles. And you know, when you lead the SEC in tackles, and you know college football, you're talking about the Alabamas of the world, the Floridas of the world, the Auburns of the world. You're talking about what has evolved into the powerhouse conference in college football. When you lead the SEC in tackles, you're really doing something. You're playing against the best of the best but you're also being compared against the best. This year, although some of the tackles in terms of numbers may not be as high, what we've got there is a number of forced fumbles, interceptions, pick sixes, and things that are highlighting his ability to dominate on the field. Quite quickly as well, watching Mateo Durant, you heard me talk about him last week. He's really evolved in in as much as he's now the single season rushing record at Duke older. And he's doing tremendous things and opening up a lot of eyeballs. Nick Petit Frere, that cat is protecting the blind side at the Ohio State University. And again, they're looking at him as a first or second day guy. And then the last guy I'll bring up, because I think some other people will probably peek their heads up before the season is over. And that's just one week away. We're talking about Elijah Higgins at Stanford, who is just in his third season. It's almost like a redshirt sophomore. But really, he's opening up a lot of eyes. I just looked at it. 42 catches, seven touchdowns, almost 500 yards at a tight end position. That's impressive. 
And so, you know, I didn't have the game of the week this week, but what that did was it gave me the ability to actually watch games on TV, which I never get to do. So I had three games on at one time, and I was able to see many Watkins guys perform throughout the course of the day. But again, next week, we'll be rounding off our last Watkins game of the week. And so those are some of the updates, more seasonal than individual. But we have 20 other guys that are doing just as good of a job as well. And as we talk about them week in and week out, I'm excited to bring it home to our podcast viewers and the folks who are out there interested in some of the great things that these guys are doing on the field. I'm blown out of the water. I mean, and and you must mention the fact that, um, that you know, the young man that's at Georgia is just a junior. He's not even a senior. 3.7 mechanical engineering major, my friend. So he was a sophomore when he led the SEC in tackles? Correct. As a sophomore? Correct. Gracious of goodness, man. Well, you know, I uh, look, this is one thing about our guest. It seems like he's never late for anything. This this dude's time is, you know, I mean, that's his middle name, being on time, uh, I, making it happen. But, but look, if you know this cat, he might be in front of the judge right now while he's waiting to talk to us. <laughs> but the, now, here's a question. I mean, is it is it that... Uh, you and I was talking about something, and he was on he was on uh, ESPN twenty for twenty. Did they do a story on him on on that, or was it something else? That oh, uh, you might have to ask him that. I think they may have. Okay, okay. Well, hey, let's let's just dive in, man. I mean, he's here, so we're gonna dive in. It's a lot of things that's gonna have to be put on the back burner because again, our show is for. Uh, the youth and adults, they want to try to find out or figure out how can I get my son in a position or my daughter in a position to be a premier scholar athlete. It's one thing to be an athlete. It's another thing to be a scholar. But when you put the two together and you are premier, uh, and Premier takes you to five star. I mean, there's no questions asked about your athletic uh, ability. Well, Marcus Houston is from Denver, Colorado. And when I first met him, it's no, I mean, he has a personality that's unreal, like all of these guys. But I looked at Marcus as the next, and it's it's not over with. Uh, I looked at him as the next governor of the state of Colorado. I mean, when you talk about polished, man, Marcus Houston uh, was, I mean, just absolutely. And I'm, I keep saying, you know, talk about being polished. He is polished. So he graduated uh, from high school, uh, of course. Uh, Jefferson High School in uh, Houston. He was one of the most sought after, one of the most sought after running backs in the country. He decided to stay home. How he was able to do that, it's beyond my imagination because you're talking about all the major schools in the country were trying to get a hold of him. 
I can't say enough of welcome to the show, Marcus Houston. How you doing, sir? Some Mute. sand. We got to get some sand. There you go. How is that? Is that good? Oh, there you go. There, there you go. go. There you okay. Go. Uh, thank you for that um, introduction, Polished. And I got that from you guys. You guys came through Polished. You know that. I was just trying to keep up. No, uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no I, that's and you know, that's, we had, I, I had you in Washington, D.C. So that that's another reason why I brought out the word governor. I mean, you were so polished. You could have walked up on Capitol Hill that day and took over a congressman or a senator's job with no problem. Get out of here. Get out of here. You know what? Um, I, I think that from what I've read as an attorney, um, there's some crossover into politics by virtue of just being in a position as an attorney. But I, I, um, I don't have any ambition for that right now um, or maybe ever. You know, I got little kids and they're running around keeping me busy. Um, but thank you for that. And Everett will tell you, even then uh, when I acted polished, you know, he would confirm that I couldn't make it onto an airplane on time. <laughs> I think every flight, every well, flight I ever got was Everett, you know, so I got work to do. Every so, flight I ever got, I missed. So take me back, take me back to your childhood, because if you say you weren't, po- you polished now. So when you was a kid, first and foremost, I asked everyone this question, man. When did it hit you? Was it in middle school or when you got to high school that this thing called a scholar athlete, you was going to take it to a whole nother level? You know, I think it's um, I think that one's interesting, obviously. Um, and and I could probably lay a different foundation. I was watching maybe it was recently Troy Palomalo's induction into the Hall of Fame. It was interesting how many people he had to thank um, being the youngest. And I didn't know that he was a, uh, um, a younger sibling. I am similar to that where I had two older brothers. Um, so I think I was always advanced um, as far as knowing what to expect next um, because I had uh, access from a very young age to, um, you know, to some great talent. Uh, so at Thomas Jefferson High School, my brother was a uh, when he was a senior, I was in eighth grade. But I think they had six or seven people go Division one. And then um, the following year, when Lavelle, who's also my older brother, um, was a, uh, a senior, they had, 12, um, I think, 12 people go Division one is between eight and 12 people, which was unheard of at the time. I actually got a picture that I meant to bring it today. From the defense at Thomas Jefferson High School when we started, uh, all the starters went Division One in that picture that we have. So we were doing some great things in the inner city that hadn't been done before, um, you know, especially in Denver. So it was a lot of fun, um, but we knew at a young age that this is what we were gearing up towards. Uh, we had a uh, really charismatic coach, Oliver Lucas, and um, great personality, great to be around. Um, I think everybody would do their best impression of his voice. You know, the, you call it Coach Lucas voice to get everybody motivated. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put you in touch with him, you know, <laughs> but he was a 
<laughs> I look forward to that. Yeah, yeah, coaching legend, coaching legend. I think he's out in Kentucky now. But you know, I think the main thing was that we just tried to have some fun out there, and we so, did. So look at your 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 athletic side. I mean, you're one of the most sought after uh, running backs in the country. So when did that hit you? That hey, this football stuff, I got to put in the work because. You can't put in 80% to be one of the most sought after. What was you doing, you know, in the ninth grade, 10th, 11th grade, getting your mentality ready to be in that position by the time you was in the 12th grade? You know what? Um, for me, it started even earlier than that. Um, and, and, I, and I'm trying to think who the commentator was. It may have been... Um, George is running back. I'm trying to think of who it was, but he said that he looked up to uh, his father. His father would have him working out from the age four and beyond. I think a lot of people actually start really young now. Um, you know, I was involved in sports when I was four, five years old. Uh, I got my kids doing that now um, from a young age, but I think that it's good. They're um, uh, learning a discipline is how I look at it. You know, they're learning a discipline. So we started when we were really young. I think I started around four, five years old and uh, put in the, the time and effort. But it was fun. It was a labor of love. Uh, so it wasn't a challenge to me um, about that. And um, I think I got my my first offer um, uh, to Florida State when I was um, a sophomore. Um, and I think Bobby Bowden was the head coach there. And yeah. so that was a, a confidence booster. But at the same point in time, uh, it wasn't a light switch for me. It was one of those things that because I had older brothers that um, we knew was in the making. And uh, I remember sitting back watching um, watching Desmond Howard. He wore 21. I like to wear 21. Uh, when he was at Michigan and I was in, you know, elementary school, Rocket Ismail, all of those guys. So they were legends. So by the time I had an opportunity to play on um, ABC, play a Saturday night game, um, I was in love, you know, with the aspect that we could play on TV to have a big game and to be like some of the heroes that I had growing up. So um, the work was a part of it, but the reward was significant. Um, and I think that that was the uh, I think that that was the beauty of playing football at that time. Now, you, you it's, it's hard to separate this other aspect of your life that you you're an extraordinary student. Uh, you're the quintessential of a, uh, you know, of an all American athlete. But then I started hearing about your community service. I mean, how did that happen that you're this extraordinary scholar athlete that you got time to put into the community because your community service wasn't just going to the senior citizen home and singing Christmas carols uh, or just going at the grocery store and asking some old lady, hey, can I help you with your bags? You know, I'm trying to get some points so I can be a part of the the National Alliance of African-American Athletes. How did you, your, your focus, how did you craft your community service determination and your effort? 
You know, well, that's a uh, that's a good question. Um, I think a lot of it was how we were raised, number one. Um, but a lot of it's also the community. And the big thing um, that I realized with the Watkins is that there's a lot of like minded individuals. Um, it feels like an anomaly because, you know, I'm in Denver and somebody else is in a different city. But I think that that's the beauty of the Watkins is that you get to find out that, um, you know, what you believe may be an isolated thought or an isolated effort is actually not that. Um, when I was able to meet Brandon and Dominic and everybody else, I learned that everybody was involved in their community to some extent or another. Um, you know, I, I liked what we were able to do with the foundation and, and helping kids and promote education. Um, but I think the beauty of the Watkins is that everybody is like-minded and um, uh, you just don't get to see that type of brotherhood um, very often. Um, the, uh, the guys that are doing it now, though, um, you know, I think that it's unreal. Some of the things that I've seen they're able to accomplish, especially through social media and everything else and the growth, this type of podcast. Um, it just wasn't around when we were doing the walk-ins, you know, but I, I, I love the fact that it is now. Uh, I can't wait to see, you know, onward and upward how, um, you know, the class of 2020, 2021. Everett, are we, are we doing the walk-ins again this year? 22, baby, 2022. Yes. Now, Everett's probably too humble to tell you guys this, but, you know, he, he still buys my tickets to the walk-ins. And my flight's out. <laughs> he pays me back later. No, no. he doesn't charge interest. <laughs> we appreciate having you in Washington D.C. I mean, it's a, it's really an honor, and I'm very serious about that political world because of your character. I mean, it's it's no doubt that you have certain attributes that are great qualities to. Just not only be a great friend, a great son, a great dad, a great husband, but a great member of the National Alliance of African-American Athletes and being a part of the Watkins Award. I mean, it's it's been something. I see that we lost him. Yeah, we so, may have lost him, but he'll be back, I'm sure, because he had well, two I'm, screens up. At one time, he had two screens. There he is. I, I see him. <laughs> so, see, only, only Marcus would have two screens up. So that if one went down, he'd pop on the other one. Holy you mind. know, I had to do that. I didn't want to let him know. I've missed enough flights with Everett to know that he would let me have it if I, you know, if I mess this up. Oh, well, we, uh, we're not going to let you do that. But no. tell me, you, you, you talk about Everett, but there are other board members. And we can't do it without our board members. I mean, we got an incredible board. Who on that board really pushed you to a point that you say, hey, I'm in something here. I, I really like this and I'm really going to exceed whatever I put on the table as a goal. You, well, you know what? And you said board that I don't have all of the board members, but I know that um, the Watkins family in its entirety has been really supportive. Um, and and I and I think supportive may be too loose of a word. I, I would say nurturing um, because you have to keep in mind um, a lot of people go to the NFL 
and that is that is a great opportunity. It's a childhood dream come true. But for everybody that doesn't go to the NFL, you know, it's a lost uh, a lost dream. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Langston Hughes used to say, "What happens to a dream deferred?" And uh, when I um, was dreaming about football, I was lucky enough to have board members like a Dr. Gabin, etc. Who would nurture dreams that were related to football as well as academics, and I think that that's the beauty of this. Um, and so, I ultimately um, uh, went to law school at the University of Denver, and then um, became uh, an attorney, and I'm still practicing now. And so, on the one hand, you have um, the board nurture you as far as when you're young, but now it's more of a network and a community and a friendship. I think probably um, I was lucky to be able to call Everett Everett, but he knows and I know that it started out Mr. Pearsall and yes, sir, no, sir. So I think that that's the beauty of it is that, um, you know, you have some friends uh, who started out as mentors but become friends. And that friendship is what uh, ultimately I respect and cherish about the Watkins. Well, you know, once you got to college, I mean, as you mentioned, your dream ultimately because of how early you started in football in particular was to get into the NFL. So you in college, how do you, and how would you relate what you did to another youth out there who is looking forward to getting into the NFL, but yet you was able to make that transition from thinking about the NFL to becoming a lawyer and being a pretty good lawyer? What What is it that you did to make that transition without going through culture shock? Well, I, and I have to correct the record. Because you you limited me to pretty good lawyer. Okay, so what should I have said? That was a joke. That was a joke. I'm not even going to go. He wasn't some. He's an extraordinary lawyer. <laughs> no, he's not an extraordinary lawyer. He's an ex- he's an exceptional litigator. That's what he is. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So how do you make how do you make that transition? You know, I think everybody has their I think everybody has their own story. I think that um, um, and, and, and I, would, I would have to phrase this the right way. I don't know if football is different than other sports. Probably not, especially when you see some of the tennis stars addressing mental health, et cetera. Um, I think everybody has their own journey. Right. Um, but some of the um, teammates that I used to perform with, um, you know, everybody has a different story. And um, uh, some of them are good. Some of them are not. Um, uh, and I and I think that my journey, the advice, I wouldn't even have any advice necessarily. I think that um, a lot of it has to do with um, the people you have around you and how well grounded you are, you know, even before um, you're ever allowed to believe that you could be a superstar or a rock star or anything similar. Um, I was at the University of Colorado. Um, You know, there were a couple of tragedies with teammates that I played with. Um, 
a couple of people who um, didn't make it. Um, Rashawn Salam uh, did not play with me, but that was a tragedy. Um, Walrus, another teammate, Gabe Oderberg. So I think that there's a lot of pressure that, that's put on student athletes. I'd like to see the NCAA address student health for the athletes. Um, I mean, the, uh, the mental health for the student athletes. I think that that's important. I believe that as awareness begins to circulate around that topic, that um, it becomes more and more prevalent. Um, I think that there's been some great strides taken to transition um, uh, from college athletics to um, what people may term as the real world. Um, but for me, I was lucky because I think that, and, and maybe this is a constant thread with a lot of the Watkins um, gentlemen, is that um, it, people come from blessed families and blessed opportunities, you know. And um, I was lucky to have a mother and a father who were really dedicated. Um, interesting story. My mom made me write my college entrance essay, uh, despite the fact that I was already admitted into the business school, school at Colorado and had a full scholarship. She still made me write an entrance exam. And it was, it was funny because she was, you know, I was writing, dear C, please accept me. You know, I, I think I'll be great at, you know, <laughs> she made me do it. But, but I think I thanked her though, uh, because that experience was good when I uh, when I wrote one for law school, and so I think that that's important. Uh, shout out to Lavelle, my older brother. He has uh, one more year of law school left um, in Indiana, and so I think that um, the Watkins is symbolic because. Um, what it stands for. Obviously, uh, like Dr. Gavin would probably say, that there's the one trophy that somebody may may hold, but it really represents a larger story, a larger community. And and I think that, um, especially here in Colorado, the uh, the Watkins Trophy is symbolic because it's much, um, it's a part of a much bigger story. Um, it's a it's a part of, and and I still. Uh, have the trophy and cherish the trophy, um, but now the reflection and the warmth that I get from it is the stories. It's from you, uh, Tyrone, you know. Uh, it's from you, Everett. It's the memories that go with it, and I didn't know that they would last a lifetime, but they truly have, um, you know, and it's, uh, it's every year. So, I think that that's the beauty of the Watkins is that what it represents, larger community. And I'm just uh, really honored to be a part of it and honored to be on your podcast. Um, it's a big deal to me and, it, and it's special. And to look at the memorabilia and everything else in the background, um, sometimes it's, it's hard to believe, uh, in my opinion, how, um, how this award has grown. Um, but I always thought it was a marvelous um, program, a marvelous nonprofit. Um, but to read the newsletters, to read the updates, to see the information, to see the people that are involved in this, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing that you guys are doing. Well, I'm finished with you, but I got one last thing for you before I pass you over to Everett, and that is please let 
the parents and the youth that are out there know if it's one thing, if I want to put my son, my daughter on this track for a scholar athlete, what's that one thing you would encourage a parent to do for their child? You know, and and I may be wrong about this, but um, my my youngest is four. His name's Hollis, and um, and then Marcus is uh, five, and my um, I got a stepdaughter too, and she is is twelve. Um, I'm no I'm no genius when it comes to advice for parents. But I think the main thing that I try to keep in mind is that um, every day is a new opportunity. And, um, you know, we're consistent with what we do. Um, I like to say that there is a magic recipe, but there's not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's um, it's the virtues that um, underline uh, who we become as adults. And, you know, whether it be work ethic, discipline, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's what I intend to do as a parent, as a father. And I think that's what my father did with me. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, Pearsall, he's all yours now. <laughs> Marcus <laughs> Houston, a.k.a. Marky Mark, a.k.a. Mr. Houston, a.k.a. Mr. Colorado, a.k.a. Mr. Electric, a.k.a. Mr. Eloquent. A.K.A. Mr. Colorado Buffalo, A.K.A. Mr. Colorado State Ram, A.K.A. number one running back in the nation, A.K.A. number one recruit in the nation, A.K.A. Mr. Casbah, A.K.A. the strongest, the biggest, the fastest running back I've ever seen at the high school level, A.K.A. Mr. Student Athlete, a.k.a. Mr. Athlete, Mr. Student, Mr. Community Activist, Mr. Philanthropist at the age of 17, Esquire Houston. Welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. You know what? I don't think I'll ever have an introduction like that again. (laughs) And so I'm going to enjoy the moment. I'm going to enjoy the moment. You know, I've learned some things only come around once in life, and this is it. (laughs) Man, I'll take it. We 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 had a we had a couple pump fakes, but we got you on the show, and you can see I'm excited to have you here. You take me back to the year 1999, going into 2000, and in that year we had just had an incredible class of Watkins men the year before, where they had me traveling to North Carolina and to California with Chris, and and we've now in 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 our mind done that thing, which is being recognized and recognizing individuals at every corner of the nation. And yet I get a phone call, not just one, not just two, but many, many phone calls. And they tell me if there's a guy who is the poster child for the Watkins Award, it's this guy they're talking about in Denver, Colorado. He's all about being a student. He's all about being a community servant. His character is above reproach at the age of 17. And he's the best athlete in the country. I got to go see him. Now, I just had my first child. I show up in the stands of this kid's high school game with my one-year-old in the cradle. That's how I have to go. It's imperative. I got to stop life and see who this person is. 
who was the poster child for the Watkins Award and what it's all about. And he didn't disappoint. I got a chance to meet his mother and father, who were ever so gracious and, and really welcomed me into the family almost day one. We talked about the game. We talked about some of the missteps, some of the good things, some of the bad things, evaluated, and Marcus is out there just patting them. And I get excited when we talk about running backs now because you're talking about a guy. I'm a little short guy. You're talking about a guy 6'2", maybe plus, getting down in the crouch position, exploding out of his stance, and just running, weaving around people like he's 5'3", but he's 6'2", huge, strong. Let me go back to all the things that you represent. When you take a look at some of the things that you really had to go through at the high school level, again, I just talked about a ton of things. Number one athlete in the country, number one running back in the country, 4.0 grade point average. How on earth do you do it, Marcus? How do you stay focused on all those three different aspects of life to become so well-rounded at the age of 17, 18? Tell us just a little bit about what's going through your head and how do you do that? You know what? I, I hate to give a disappointing answer, but I lived at home with my mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to take more credit than I deserve, but no, I, I lived at home. I think that, um, you know, my mom was important and, and they, they kept it together, you know, and I think that that's important. Parenting doesn't happen overnight. Um, as, as far as, um, school goes though, I, I think that, um, in our household, there was never an excuse to not perform, um, academically. Uh, I think that my mother and father took, um, excelling in school just as serious, if not more serious than they did in football, uh, or track. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, sometimes academics are allowed in particular households to take a backseat. Um, but that was just never the case. Um, you know, I, I think we would joke at our house because, um, when it comes to education, I would see statistics in the newspaper to explain why, um, you know, why people did not excel uh, academically. You know, they would say maybe it was because of a, uh, a reduced lunch or free lunch. Um, other people would say um, because of the amount of parents in your home. And, and so it was always one of those things to justify, um, you know, why you don't excel academically. But if we were to hold the truth and the standard and the parallel to sports, I don't think that uh, that works in football where you say, hey, they lost that game because most of them are on free lunch or he didn't make that free throw or LeBron James missed that dunk because, you know, he's from a single parent home. They just don't do that kind of stuff when it comes to sports. And uh, shout out to LeBron if there's such thing, because, you know, he's building a school now. He's holding himself accountable. I think that the same accountability that takes place in the athletic realm takes place in the, uh, the academic realm. So for me, you know, we didn't get to make those excuses in school. We didn't get to make them on the football field. You know, you show up and you perform. Um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't say that, uh, you know, um, I've heard commentators 
say that, you know, such and such had a bad game because he's not on his ADHD medicine, you know. Uh, it just doesn't come up. Those type of excuses come up <laughs> sometimes, but I just, I don't think I've ever heard uh, Saban say, you know, he jumped off sides because of his ADHD. So <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. I just think that that mentality kind of has shaped uh, who I am as a person. And it started young. Look, you don't make any excuses. And that goes for school, too. You know, you don't make any excuses. You overcome those obstacles. And that's ultimately what it means to win, uh, to try to be a champion, to pursue, to be your best. Um, and and I think that that's what's important at the end of the day, right, is the drive. Right. Attempt, um, trying to be the best. And I was just so um, lucky and fortunate to be in a situation where um, um, my pursuit aligned with um, the values in our household and the people around me that had time to invest in me. Um, so that was 17, 18. Um, you know, it definitely, you know, um, blessed to be able to be a part of those things. But the the Watkins now, um, you know, I read the newsletters and um, I don't even know if I would make it to by today's standards. I, you know, I, stop playing. Stop playing. I'm serious. Playing. I'm serious. <laughs> like, they have they have a they have a 5.0 GPA. <laughs> I didn't even Not know it got that high. I, I, it keeps getting higher and higher. Well, you know, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure Colorado has kept up with it, and you probably would have had a 4.8 or a 5.0 had they had you on the same graded scale. Don't worry about that. I'm I'm absolutely positive that you would have achieved at the same level. Now, when we talk about the Watkins family, it really is something that is represented in the relationship that and, and the experience that I've had with you and your family. Um, I've got a chance to spend a great deal of time with your brother. In fact, Palika, I went to his wedding, uh, got a chance to spend a lot of time with Lavelle when he was pursuing acting and got on the set to see him out in Los Angeles. Uh, your sister, when she was in Atlanta and she was doing her entrepreneurial thing, as well as see them uh, even at her level, run some track. Uh, but and your mom and dad spent a lot of time with them. And so I, I got a good idea of the foundation and, and a lot of the people that were involved in your life at, at home. And so it's pretty phenomenal. One of the things I want to ask is that, you know, what did you find at the high school level was something that was an obstacle where you had to make a decision whether to go right or left and you made the decision to go right? What one of the things that, that would have held you back had you make, made the wrong decision? Wow. You know, I, I think that that is a um, a great question. A lot of layers, too. Um, the um, I think probably the the honest answer for um, for anybody that might want to ask that question and needs the uh, the information to reverberate within their school, I would say that especially in certain communities, and, and this is on the heels of um, a shooting. Um, you know, at Aurora Public Schools just recently in Denver. And, you know, it's it's tough to make uh, the right choice, period. And there's pressure out there. 
Um, you know, you talk about one way could go left or one could go right. I think that a lot of times the uh, the community and the kids at the schools are forced into a particular situation uh, that they don't belong in. Uh, and I don't know. I think that that's the, the larger community uh, that plays a role in that. Um, when we were in school, obviously, that, you know, some of the same issues uh, that are present today, which is unfortunate. Um, you know, do you go left, do you go right? Do you, uh, do you participate in gangs? Um, do you show up at school? Do you do your homework? What, what is it that you are going to do? Um, I think that probably the answer is, um, you know, stick to whatever it is that, um, you're talented at and find that talent. Um, I think it's difficult because there's not enough outreach in the community to help kids find what it is that they're talented at. And there's not enough investment in the community with the kids, especially at the high school level, to um, nurture what it is that they're good at. Um, there, you know, there was a, um, a story that I heard recently about um, a... Um, um, a inner city school that wanted to golf, uh, but, you know, they didn't have transportation to get to a golf course. They don't have a golf course anywhere nearby. And so I think in that type of situation, you may have a visionary who would say, hey, let's um, let's figure out how to get these kids an opportunity to golf. Um, I feel like a lot of times people are restricted. They're they're limited and uh, they need help to be able to search for those talents. Um, and then at the same point in time, if you can choose a talent and move in that direction, then that's very positive, um, in my opinion. So I was lucky. Um, you know, I chose football and football chose me. Um, there was never time to get sidetracked um, with uh, with much of anything. Uh, so. I think I think I was lucky. I think that the toughest choice that I made um, in um, in high school would have been to uh, miss out on the state rushing title um, and um, miss two games my junior year. And the reason that I missed those two games is because uh, the Denver Police Department at the time. Um, beat up a bunch of us uh at a at a dance um you know which was uh really tragic to live through um we were all black that was the reason that was their intent that was their motive uh racial slurs etc and so uh, a few years later i went and i spoke to um uh, the hague and, and spoke with Amnesty International to try and bring justice to our cause. And it's it's funny because I actually have the uh, <laughs> the article on my wall now. And so while it might have been a difficult choice, I think that it did lay a powerful foundation uh, in my life. And, um, you know, as far as accountability is concerned, uh, I think our parents taught us that sometimes crying is not enough, uh, that you have to do more. Um, but I, I think that unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, right, I think that the the narrative that um, 
the athletes um, must uh, come to the forefront of social political activities uh, right, is right. one that is um, I think that is misunderstood uh, by by a large group of people. Um, I think that it was probably misunderstood even when um, when I had to miss football games, you know, in high school. But if you're ever in that type of situation and, and you know, obviously other people could speak to this. But if you're ever in a situation where um, a situation like that transpires, That's um, yeah, it's powerful, but it's also something that um, you didn't necessarily ask to be in. Um, And so for me, uh, I think that that was a meaningful decision, but um, it also, when I would talk to my parents, they taught us the um, importance of sacrifice, the importance of discipline, the importance of having a voice, the importance of standing up for what you believe in, standing up for yourself and uh, and, um, understanding who you are and what you're about. And I think that that ties in with the 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 first question when I said, you know, kind of find your talent. It's kind mm-hmm. of find out, you know, who you are and what you're about. And sometimes that's a lifelong process. It doesn't happen overnight. But, right. um, you know, the, the, the good thing is that you can always recalibrate who you are and what you're about. Um, and I think that's the beauty of it. Now, Mr. Houston, when we, we talk about all these things, obviously coming out, being the, the best running back in the nation, you're going to Colorado. And I remember you playing there as a it was like, I believe, the player of the week, the one game where you came out because of an injury and you really showed your tail out there and had an enormous game. Uh, then you go on and get nicked up a little bit, end up transferring to Colorado State, never deterring, always determined to be successful. And then you go on to obviously to where you are now uh, in terms of being an attorney, going to, to, to Denver, uh, University of Denver for your law degree and, and now being a successful attorney uh, in Denver. One of the things I want to ask, and, and you can just, just give me a couple of minutes on this, because you've touched on this the entire way during this interview. What has the Watkins Award meant to you? Just give me a two-minute sort of summary of some of the things that you've interjected in all of the conversation we had. What has the Watkins Award meant to you in your journey? The Watkins Award in many ways is a, um, a reflection of um, – not only what we aspire to be and who we are, um, but also um, a reflection of the ideals that we all try to represent. Um, So for me, when I see uh, the Watkins uh, Trophy, the award um, is multifaceted because it is uplifting. uh, It's inspiring. Um, If, if, if I see somebody on uh, ESPN, for example, because of the notoriety, and they're an excellent athlete, and they say that they have a GPA, I check the Watkins website to see if they're one of our guys. And and I tell you what, most of the time they are. Um, so the uh, the Watkins Award. Got you. You could get a different response from me on any given day, but it's uh, it's something that uh, is more than an award. Um, it's it's uh, it's living proof that dreams come true, and that um, you know when you uh, 
um, pay the price, other people recognize it. But at the same point in time, it's a brotherhood of accountability. And I think that that's what's important. Um, and uh, for me personally, you know, it means I can call you anytime I want to, uh, hang out anytime I want to. And, and it's been that way. So I appreciate you guys. Thank you for the love. Real quickly, because I know they're turning the music on. I want you to do something. Tell us the name of your law firm, the, what you do, you're doing with your practice, and how people can get in contact with you. You know what? Um, m- the majority of my practice is criminal defense. Um, and Marcus Terrell Houston, attorney at law. Um, I'm here in Colorado Springs. I've been practicing for 10 years. Um, you know, I handle... Um, you know, hundreds of cases every single year. Um, I've spent thousands of hours in the courtroom. Um, I've done well over a hundred jury trials, uh, hearings and trials. Um, and so people know where to find me out here. That's the blessing. Uh, but thank you for the shout out. Oh man, that's electric. He's talking to an individual who at the age of 17 started his own foundation with his own money that he raised, giving back to the community through college, touched on professional sports, now an attorney, changing lives in that way, a Watkins man through and through, the poster child, Mr. Marcus Houston. Thank you, brother, and I'm going to turn you back over to Coach Tate. Well, All hey, right, appreciate you. I, I appreciate everything. Thanks, Marcus man. Houston, thank you for showing up, man. I mean, clearly, you might have been late on flights, but you weren't late for this show. We appreciate <laughs> you. And tell whoever your client was, who may be locked up that tried to get you while you was on the show. Tell them we'll apologize for taking the time. Go ahead and get to them. Thanks again. Hey. Let me say this. Let me say uh, this. Hey, great to see you, brothers. I appreciate it. Well, thank <laughs> you very much. Yeah, great to see you. You, you got it, everyone. You had Marcus Houston right here uh, on the Watkins Award. Thanks again. Have a beautiful and a blessed day. Tell the family, mom, dad, and certainly all the kids and the siblings, we say hello. Thank you, sir. And happy Thanksgiving. Yes, sir. Happy Thanksgiving. Look at his perfect tonality. Who's your makeup man? What you got going on over there? You looking good, boy. You looking good. We out of here, Pierce. We out of here. That's the Watkins Award. Another edition. All you got to do is put your mind to it. Wake up, I'm on to the next New day, I gotta do my best uh, Every day I put the work in The grind never stop, you ain't never see me rest See me on top, I never fall I speak my truth and turn it to law Do it for the drive, you know it's really my passion Never gonna stop me, really I'll make it happen uh, I gotta get up and grab it huh, The money want me to have it What more can I say, I'm top billing I grew from the dirt, guess I had to make a million I grew up, I swear I rose from the valley Every day I put the work in, I gotta